I'm near excited about this word, amen? I, th I, feel like, I feel like we ought to be excited about the word of God every chance we get to sit under the word. It, it changes us, amen? Hallelujah. Would you go with me to Genesis 3? Genesis chapter 3, the beginning of the Bible. If you're back in the maps, you might as well just come right to the altar and repent. Just kidding. It's all the way over on the left side of your Bible, Genesis chapter 3. Welcome to our online audience. We hope you are having a wonderful day in the Lord. This is the day the Lord hath made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Hallelujah. There are four punishments handed out in Genesis 3 from the fall of man. I'm going to read to you only one of them that I want to focus on today. It said, in verse 15, it says, And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. And it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. How many know this is a messianic prophecy? It means it's a prophecy of Messiah, messianic, uh, a prophecy of the Messiah to come, that the enemy, Satan, is going to bruise his heel, but Jesus is going to smash his head. He's going to destroy all of his authority. Headship means authority. He's going to destroy all of Satan's authority over us. Amen. Are you glad he did that? Are you glad Jesus came, the Messiah, and fulfilled that prophecy? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So no matter what it looks like, if we abide in Christ, as John tells us, we have victory in him. So I've been kind of dancing all around that this last couple of weeks in study and, and in different places. Yes, we lost fellowship with God in the garden, but Jesus gave us the victory. Amen. So I want to talk for you a little bit about this subject, winning, winning. We're winning. Whether you know it or not, whether it looks like it or not, if you're in Christ Jesus, you're winning. Regardless of your physical struggles or your body struggles or your health, if you're in Christ Jesus, the enemy cannot hurt you, cannot touch your heavenly hope. That's what that means. And we want to talk about that today in 1 John a little bit and go through a little bit of a reminder of how we're winning in Christ Jesus. Amen. Would you pray with me? Lord, I ask you just to bless your word. It's already anointed, so I don't need to ask you to anoint it for it is anointed already. And we also ask you, Lord Jesus, just to help us to receive this word today, to apply it to every area of our life and to remind ourselves that even in the greatest struggles, we're still standing in victory in you, Jesus. Help us to believe that. That is our job. We are to be believers. You're the God who wins, and we just have to believe it. Help me to be a waiter to serve your people, the word of God, in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. you may be seated in the house of the Lord. Have you ever heard someone say, if only I had this, then it would be perfect. If only I had a better house, if only I got my dream house, my dream job, my, my dream car, then everything would be perfect. But the truth of the matter is, Adam and Eve had a perfect place and they still weren't happy. So happiness does not depend on where you are and what you have. Happiness is a choice that you make based upon what you know. 
And the knowledge of Jesus Christ gives us an understanding that we can have joy in Jesus through fellowship with the saints and through Jesus Christ who gave us victory. Amen. And we can win through him. Genesis 3 and 15 is where we started today showing you that the curse that was handed out to mankind and to the enemy and the ground. Four different curses laid upon mankind and Jesus came and reversed the curse when he died on the cross. I'm thankful he took my place. Amen? I'm thankful he won for me because I couldn't do that on my own. He had to do it for me. He had to be a spotless lamb. And though winning may seem like it's elusive sometimes and winning may seem like it's a future thing for some of us, I want to tell you that I feel today to tell somebody you're already winning. Even in the path that we took from the garden to the grave of Jesus Christ, all throughout that history, there are record of God winning over the enemy every single time. Amen? I just want us to get excited about the fact that with God, we're winning. Winning just means gaining, resulting in, or relating to victory in a contest or competition. Having a winning streak. I want to tell you, God has the best winning streak on the planet. Amen? Charles Spurgeon said, be on God's side, for that is the winning side. How many are on the Lord's side here today? I just want to just get some energy in the room. How many are on the Lord's side today? Hallelujah. I'm thankful I'm on the Lord's side. Always in history, we find that the devil would attack. Now, of course, in our scripture, we know that this scripture is written in effect to the fact that Adam and Eve took of the fruit that they were not supposed to take of. They were disobedient, tempted by the devil, of course, but yet it looks like a loss. Devil one, humanity zero. We failed at that moment, and by Adam, all men have sinned. Amen? So we inherited a bloodline that was tainted with failure and curse. But when Jesus steps in and shed his innocent blood, and we then apply that blood to our life as believers in Christ Jesus, we know that we take on a new bloodline, a winning bloodline. Amen? And in that, we are covered, and we know that even the temptations that come to our life, though we may fall and sin at times, we are not left sinners, amen? We are left blameless through Christ Jesus. I feel like preaching today. I don't know why I'm so loud, but I feel like preaching. Temptation is always the same, a strong desire without or within for sensual gratification, and, and, and we know that with secret hopes that somehow the consequences inside and out, if we have this, this driving desire that's a, a desire towards sin in our flesh or in our life, we, we somehow hope that the consequences may be avoided of those sin. And there is a process the enemy uses to tempt us. It's the lust of the flesh, amen, the lust of the eyes or the pride of life. These three areas are 
category killers. They're things that destroy your life and sin takes time out of your life and sin takes passion for Christ out of your life. And so we must remove sin. It also separates us from God according to scripture. But in those earthly sensual passions, there is a pattern that Jesus also conquered. When he went into the wilderness and was tempted by the enemy, he conquered the lust of the flesh. He conquered the pride of life and he conquered the lust of the eyes. Those three major categories that cause us to trip and fall. Jesus won it all and he did it through the word of God. He said, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God, for it is written, it is written, it is written. The only way that we can win is through the word. Hello, somebody. The only way we can win is not through our thinking, not through our planning, not through our strategy, not through willpower, because passion overcomes the will of man over time. If you let lusts build or things build in your life, the body will obey lustful impulses eventually if you entertain them, brothers and sisters, and it will lead you to sin. It will lead you to acts that are supposed to be gratifying, but they are not, because the flesh always lusts for more. It never is satisfied. So sin is not a satisfying place, even though the enemy would tell you it is. You can never be satisfied in a life that has sin in it, but you can have joy, peace, and the Holy Ghost. You can walk with God and have a place of sure peace in your life and gratification for your soul. Amen. Anybody know that to be true in God, although he sees his children fall, he makes a way because he had a plan before he had a man. And I'm grateful that God removes the guilt and shame off of our life when we apply his sacrifice to our life. We needed a second Adam, amen? And so he came and he paid the price. He conquered all of it as the second Adam, the conqueror, the Lamb of God, the one who was able to take on all of our sin and walk to that cross, that hill called Calvary, and shed blood that was innocent. Thank God he conquered those categories in the wilderness, but thank God he passed them to me through his cross, his death, burial, and resurrection. Thank God we can still preach a gospel of winning, amen? Thank God we have a word that wins, amen? Thank God we have a power that's around us, in us, and through us that gives us the victory because we win in him. We're not sinless anymore. We're not just saying that we're, we're, we're no longer people that sin because John even tells us that you can't say you're not a sinner. The truth is not in you. But he does say that we are sinless only through Christ Jesus. That even though we sin, we are blameless. Because of the blood of the lamb. That's what's beautiful about it. Is when we walk through the scriptures, we see Ephesians 5 and 8 steers, tells us to steer clear and stay away from sin. The darkness is sin in scripture, amen? And darkness in our life in places will affect the light that's in our life. And so John is talking in 1 John 1 and 6. He's talking just to backsliders about being careful and to, and to Christians to be careful. He says, if, if we say that we have fellowship with him, Jesus, and walk in darkness, we lie. Everyone say, we lie. No, no, you don't, obviously, but we're repeating what I asked you to say. And do not the truth. He says, 
that in First John 1 and 6. But then he goes on to, and to explain it in other parts of that passage. He says, you, you, if you, you lie when you entertain sinful things. You lie when you have places in your heart or little closets where you say, I, I don't have sin there, but, but I'm okay and, and I'm fine. And, but you're holding back on s- certain areas of lust and you're holding back things that you enjoy in the flesh. Those, those little places are places of darkness in your life and they will cause you to fall and to lie. And so the first thing you do is you lie to yourself that you don't have sins in your life and you don't have any problems that need to be handled. And then the second thing you do is is you lie to others. Amen. And then the third thing you do is you lie to God. I don't need that. That's not for me. And then you look at the scriptures and it says, if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar. That's referring to Jesus Christ. And his word is not in us. If his word is not in us, we have no conquering power. Amen. If his word is not in our life, we have no ability to conquer the lies because his word is truth, the Bible says. And so when you read through 1 John 1 through 1 and downward, you see that John is trying to deal with the fact that there are people in the church that need to understand you are not sinless, but because you have sin in your life, even though you are Christians, he's trying to say saints sometimes sin, but we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, who is able to heal us and to restore us and to recover us. Stop telling lies to yourself and stop telling lies to others. He's trying to get them to live in truth and live in the word of God. You're better than that, he's saying. You are a winner, he's saying in 1 John chapter 1. He's saying you have been found in Christ Jesus, not in your history, not in your sin, not in your past. You can leave that out. You can take that away because that is not who you are anymore because you are now in Christ Jesus, you are now a child of God. And because you are a child of God, you should move away from sinful behavior, move away from sinful lust. You should desire to walk in the light, Brother Reese, and not walk in darkness. And so you should not be liking sinful behavior on Facebook. You should not be liking sinful things in other somebody else's life. You shouldn't be laughing off sinful behavior in your children or in your family. You just need to go ahead and close your mouth and just not say anything because if you can't say anything good, don't say anything at all. But you don't want to endorse darkness in this earth or in somebody else's life. You want to encourage them to walk toward the light. And I pray that we understand that when we walk in the light, as Jesus is in the light, John said, that we have fellowship with all the winners. We have fellowship with the church. We are brought into God's family and fellowship together. And that fellowship among all of us here, even today, as we gather for service, is something that strengthens us to remind us you're supposed to be in the winner's circle. You're not supposed to fall down and lose and be dejected and depressed and live in places where you don't feel success. You are to break every chain in your life. You're not supposed to live under generational curses. You You are supposed to walk in the light. And when you fellowship with the body of Christ, you remind yourself, yes, we are winners in Christ Jesus. So I need you and you need me. We need each other. We need the house of God. We need believers. We need fellowship one with another. 
And it also says in John that whenever we are walking in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all unrighteousness. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us. He's faithful and just to forgive us. And I don't know about you, but I know that brings me joy because whenever I feel myself looking at life and thinking, you know, my Christian walk, it just feels like it's a little lethargic. I can lean into the fellowship of the brothers and sisters. And when I feel like I'm not connecting as well, I can lean into the blood of Jesus Christ and it keeps me walking in the light. Can somebody say amen to that? I just believe that God has given us an understanding of how much he wins. Can I just take a minute and walk through the scriptures for you and just tell you how often God wins? Would that be all right today? I mean, he wins like the Packers are going to win today. Oh, I'm sorry. Was that local? That little bit too? 1 John 1 and 8, the saints is talking about the saints sometimes sin, but if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us. That word confess in the original language means to say what God says about your sin. Not just to confess, I messed up, Lord, I'm sorry. And that is good. But to say what God says about sin. Say, Lord, I'm sorry. I know that grieves you. I know that puts nails in your hands and puts you on the cross again. I know that that causes you to die afresh for my sins, and I do not want to hurt you, God. When you start to confess what that word means, is when you start to say what God says about sin, that it's destructive, that it destroys, that it hurts, that it, that it doesn't bless, all of those things, when you begin to say what he says about sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us. He's faithful even when we're not. And he's just because he died on the cross, the son of God, the God manifest in flesh. He has the ability to bring justice from our confession, from our lips. Do you see what I'm saying? He is faithful, so therefore his character says, I receive you into a winning circle again, even though you fail and you lost. But not only that, but then he said, I am have authority to bring justice over your confession if you say it because I believe and I know that God can do that because I've seen him do it so many times. The blood can, amen? The blood covers all. We can't, but he can. God gave his church a win for all time when he died on the cross. And I'm thankful. See, the devil thought he won, and that's what's hilarious, because Scripture tells us that in 1 Corinthians 2 and 8, which none of the princes knew, if the devil had known, he would not have crucified Jesus. He was trying to remove the authority of Jesus Christ from the earth. You know, you, you, look in, <laughs> you look in the Old Testament, there's not nearly as much demonic activity as there is in the New Testament. Why? Because Jesus has come through the womb of a woman and entered the earth properly, legally, so that he has authority to walk the earth and cast out devils. So you see a lot more demonic activity. And what's interesting is some people don't like to talk about those spiritual world, but I like, to, I like to show that the enemy got his tail kicked all over Jerusalem and Judea. And all, I mean, he just got messed up. He's got a black eye, missing teeth. 
And had he known, see, the devil was trying to remove Jesus from the earth because he wanted that spiritual authority to get out of the earth. He didn't want God to have authority in heaven and earth. And so he, he kills Jesus. But the scripture says, had he had the princes, which, which none of the princes knew, for had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. They were trying to get rid of one with authority. And by doing that, when Jesus came out of the tomb, and then they ended up in the upper room filled with the Holy Ghost, now you've got 3,000 in one day. Now you've got millions in the earth filled with God's presence, and the devil is getting a migraine and getting beat to death all over the world. The prince of the power of the air is being destroyed every single day because though we are not deity, we have Jesus in us. And he might have killed one, but he said, had they known, take out one would have produced millions on the earth. We have authority and dominion and power through Jesus Christ in us. And the devil's running scared, not of us, but of the authority and Jesus and the spirit that is in us. The power in Romans 12, Romans 16, 20 says, and the God of peace shall bruise Satan under your feet shortly. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. What is, what is happening here when the Romans understand that this is a link to the prophecy of Genesis 3? The curse actually talks about Jesus Christ bruising the head of Satan. And then it says even though he's going to take out Jesus by bruising his heel and, and causing him to be crucified, that is going to pass the authority of Jesus through his spirit onto the saints. And that is what is being written here. He's saying, you will bruise Satan under your feet. He's given us authority that Jesus had. We shall bruise Satan under our feet. And then Luke 10 and 19 says, Behold, I give unto you power to tread upon serpents and scorpions. This isn't just a vacation to Arizona, brothers and sisters. This is actually talking about over the power, over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. I'm thankful for that scripture, are you? Satan was defeated, but he still worked overtime to destroy the lineage of, of Jesus. He, he tried his best to take out and to abort the line of Christ so that Christ couldn't come into the earth. And he knows his time is short, amen? Scripture tells us that. So he's working overtime in our world. But just remember that Jesus wins. We read the back of the book, didn't you? We win, amen? And I'd just like to rehearse just for a minute some of the stuff that God has done in Scripture the many times the devil tried to destroy what God was doing and take out Jesus Christ's bloodline, but he failed. Do you remember when the devil filled Cain with so much anger that he killed his son, he killed his brother Abel? He murdered, first murderer in the Bible. You only get a few pages in, and the devil's work is already showing up. But guess what? God won because he raised up Seth to continue the righteous lineage. <laughs> That's why I named my son Seth, because I'm going to raise him up to continue the righteous lineage. Amen? <laughs> oh, devil, you're a liar. God won. Satan led mankind into such wickedness 
that all had to be destroyed with a flood, that the earth had to be baptized to wash away everything. And God still won because he raised up Noah and by the saving of his family saved the human race. Everybody say winning. That is still winning. Satan deceived men with false religions that worship nature, but God won because he raised up Abraham full of faith and sent him on a journey. Abraham left to go to a place he didn't know for a God he didn't, couldn't see, and that is winning, amen? Someone say winning. winning. Yeah, all right. Satan tempted Israel into lustful orgies before a golden calf, and with the humiliation in one of the most despicable moments in Israel's history, God still won because he raised up the sons of Levi, amen, and they, they stepped in and saved the day. I want you to know that God is still winning. Someone say winning. All right. In the past, we see that God has always stepped out and had a plan, even though Satan has attacked. Satan attacked Israel through bringing Balaam to curse the people of Israel when Balak, the king of the Moabites, I believe it was, hired him to speak curses over the people of Israel. But God won because he took that false prophet's tongue and said blessings when he was supposed to be cursing. And when he opened his mouth, all that could fall out was blessings to the people of God. And one of the greatest passages of scripture that I love is where he goes to curse them. And instead he said, God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Hath he not said it? Will he not do it? Hath he not spoken it? Will he not bring it to pass? He's supposed to be cursing Israel. And he's saying, God has already blessed them. I cannot curse what is already blessed. And in Christ Jesus, we already won. You can't lose when you've already already won. Hallelujah. God won and God won again and God won again all throughout history. So I just want to tell the spiritual world and let the devil know today that you might have frightened a few spies by giants in the land, but God raised up a Joshua and Caleb and said, we are well able. Amen. And I want somebody to get that in their spirit today. I don't care what political, what political environments we're in or where, where we're at in, this, so in, in culture. We are still needing to have a spirit like Joshua and Caleb that God is well able. God is well able to win. Hallelujah. The devil tried to starve out the people of Israel and to annihilate Israel with raids by the Moabites. But God raised up Gideon. And he said, I'm the last in my family. My family's the last of the tribe, and the, la and the tribe is the last in the nation. But God said, if you're willing, I'll win with you. If you're, if you're wanting to, I'll go ahead and win with you. I'll take the last, the thing that nobody wants, the thing that everybody thought would not be used by God. I'll take it, and I'll win with it because it gives God glory. I don't care where you come from. I don't care how messed up your past is. I don't care what God has, has caused you to do in in, in coming to him and to reach for him. I don't know where you came from, but I want to tell you today that God can use you no matter where you came from. And I believe that because he raised up 300 loyal men behind Gideon and they conquered the Moabites. And then the devil bound Samson with cords of lust that he could not break. But God won when they took him to the Philistines and gave him the greatest victory at the lowest moment of his life. Amen? Don't tell me God can't give people a greatest vic great victory at the low moments of their life. God can turn it around. Amen? Someone say winning. 
Hallelujah. Satan polluted the priesthood in Israel through the wickedness of Eli's son, Hophni and Phinehas. But God still won because he raised up a boy named Samuel. And the Bible says that not one of his words fell to the ground. He was so anointed by God. They won again and again. They should have been destroyed, but there's still a nation of Israel. Amen. God can win with his people. The devil ensnared King Saul with pride, but God won by raising up David, a man after God's own heart who conquered the nations of his, for Israel. The devil caused Queen Athaliah to kill all of the royal descendants and seize the kingdom. But God won when he used Jehoiada to hide young King Josiah. Amen? For the saving of the kingdom. Somebody say winning. God knows how to win. I don't know if you're bored with this message or not, but I can tell you, I sure am not. God knows how to win in the worst situation. This is not a bad climate for revival. This is not a bad climate for the church to grow. If there is more to, there's more to do than we can even imagine, God is going to win. Naaman, influenced by Satan, raised up and hatched a plot to, of genocide against the Jewish people. But God raised up a little girl named Esther. <laughs> devil never saw it coming. <laughs> That's the thing. You see, devil never sees it coming. He doesn't even know what God's up to. But God said, for such a time as this, I will raise up a little Jewish girl, and I'll put her in charge over a pagan nation. I'll do it just like that. That's how bad God is. Good, I mean God is. He's a winning God. Are you encouraged today? Please feel the faith of this preacher. The devil can do things, but every weapon formed against us shall not prosper. Shall not. Shall not. Amen. He called an enraged Nebuchadnezzar. Satan through that anger used what Nebuchadnezzar has raised up as a statue to enslave and bring in three Hebrew boys. And he said, we're going to play the music again, and you're going to bow. And they said, oh, king, we cannot bow to your statue. And they, through that rage of Nebuchadnezzar, he threw three Hebrew boys in the furnace. But God showed up when it was hopeless. How many know when you throw somebody in a fire, it's done? They're done. They're going to see Jesus. They did see Jesus. He showed up, amen, in the fire. He stepped in, and when God got done with that situation, they came out and didn't even smell like, didn't even look like where they had been from. <laughs> Go ahead and preach with me. <laughs> when God gets done with you, you won't even look like, you won't smell like where you came from, you won't be, uh, mm, somebody preach with me, winning. Somebody say winning. winning. When it's all said and done, we're going to be winners Devil manipulated King Darius. You remember this? Through political, through corrupt politics. Hello, somebody. Anybody know what that's all about? Through corrupt politics and through Daniel in the line. You know they keep them hungry. They keep them lions hungry. So when you throw somebody in there, they're pieces. That's all that's left. Sorry to be so graphic. I'll go back to PG-13. They're pieces, and so they threw Daniel in the lion's den, and God won. Why? Because he shut the mouths of lions. The devil, you've never won once. I want to just say it. You've never won once. 
God through all time has been one step ahead of the enemy. And I just come to share this message before we go watch the Packers annihilate the Buccaneers. I, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I just want to say, just like they win, well, I hope they win. <laughs> I'm sure setting them up, aren't I? Just like they win, I hope that you understand that we are winners in Christ Jesus. Third John says, first, first John chapter 3 says, Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Everybody say winning. I'm closing with this. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. And it doth not yet appear what we shall be. There are places right now where you may feel like you're losing. But that's not where you're staying. That's not where you're going to be. It, it's, it hasn't appeared what you will be in that situation. But we know. We, everybody say, we know that we will win. When he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself even as he is pure. Whosoever committed sin transgresseth also against the law, for sin is the transgression of the law. And ye know that he was manifested to take away our sins. Someone say amen to that. And in him is no sin. Can I say it? In him we win. I've said it already. Hallelujah. Whosoever abideth in him, everybody say abideth, that's to live in him, sinneth not. Why? Because it's immediately covered. We confess it. Lord, I'm sorry, and it's like it never happened. His blood covers it. Whosoever sinneth hath not seen him, neither known him. Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. He that committeth sin is of the devil. For the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose, everybody say this purpose. God came to help us win, amen? For this purpose, the Son of God was manifest. Hallelujah. That he might destroy the works of the devil. We're not just winning. He destroyed the works of the devil. <laughs> That's annihilation, brothers and sisters, Yes, his time is short, and yes, he's working overtime. Yes, there is a spirit of Antichrist at work in this world and among men, but Jesus, through his cross, destroyed those works, and we are winners. Amen? Would you stand with me today? I hope that is helpful to you and encourages your heart. Thank you, Jesus, for winning. Thank you, Jesus, for being our victor. Thank you, God, for wearing the crown that you have now given us opportunity to wear crowns of life and crowns of victory that we will someday toss at your feet when we stand before you and say, had it not been for you winning, we could not have won this. Had it not been for your victory, I couldn't have put on a crown of life of faithfulness. Had it not been for you, Jesus. So I take this crown off and I throw it at your feet when we get to see you because had it not been for you winning, I would have never been able to win. And I thank you, God, 
that you bring every soul in this house in into your winning victory. God, I thank you right now, and I bind anything that keeps the enemy, Lord God, at work in the life of your people. I pray right now in Jesus' name over this body of believers and anyone joining us online that you give us the victory that we deserve through you, Jesus, that we are your children, and we have heirs, and we have rights, and we have the ability to take authority and dominion, Lord God, because we are your children. We take spiritual authority authority on it, over any curse, over any uh, thing that hinders the power and the authority and the winning of Christ in our life. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen. Amen. God bless you today. I hope you had a wonderful Sunday. You may come and pray and seek the Lord. If you have a place in your life where you feel like you're not winning, come and lay it before Jesus. Just say, Lord, take this and make it a victory. That's what I want to do today. That's what I feel to do and to ask you to do is just lay something before the Lord where you may not feel you have victory or you feel like God's working, but you want to see more. Lay it before the Lord today. Say, Jesus, would you give me victory in this area? God, would you touch my marriage? Would you touch our home? Would you touch our life? Would you minister to our finances, would you make winning available in every area of my life, God? Would you help me to put my faith in you, Jesus, while it seems like it's going south in some place else? Let me put my faith in the wind that you're going to bring. Lord, it shall not, it hasn't appeared yet, Lord Jesus, what it shall be. For in the end, you will win, I pray in Jesus' name. Come on, let's lift up our voice and let's lift up our hands. Let's just worship the Lord right now. Let's worship the Lord. The weapon may be formed, but it won't prosper. When the darkness falls, it won't prevail. Because the God I serve knows only how to triumph. My God will There's power. 